Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONECURCITYCAST20. Though remote learning, social distancing, and mask mandates may be in the past, the longer impacts of the pandemic are still lingering in Oregon schools. And there's a lot of concerns on the minds of local parents and teachers, from worries about safety to entire school relocations, even whether teachers might go on strike. So today on CityCast Portland, OPB K-12 reporter Natalie Pate is here to talk about some of the biggest issues facing our schools right now. It's Tuesday, September 12th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. You know, we're starting off the school year with something most public schools in the country don't have, which is a buttload of money. Uh, Has Portland Public Schools extended any kind of statement on how they are planning on uh, spending it? So, so yes and no. The state has invested an unprecedented $10.2 billion in K-12 funding that's set for the next two years. But it's important to keep in mind that money, first of all, it's responsible for covering daily operation, transportation, all those other costs for more than 200 school and service districts across Oregon. And number two, it's coming at the same time that all the federal relief funds are ending and we still have a historic high in terms of student learning loss, inflation, staff shortages, social emotional needs. So districts are still having to really make that money stretch. And districts had to plan their budgets for the current school year before the state had finalized that amount that was coming to them. So they kind of got stuck in this weird limbo for planning their funds. Portland's budget for this school year um, includes a lot of plans that are focused on some of those needs that I mentioned before and fixing past equity errors. Uh, So, for example, the budget outlines plans for the district to launch its Center for Black Student Excellence, which aims Mm. to address some of the achievement gaps among the district's black students specifically. They say they also want to hire a civil rights coordinator and they have money allocated to increasing mental and behavioral health services, uh, school counselors, school-based social workers, school psychologists, uh, substance abuse support, among other things. So the question I'm really seeing in the community now is, you know, how is that going to roll out? Is the district going to walk the walk, talk the talk, so to speak, uh, on these issues? And they're really paying attention to it a lot when it comes to employee compensation and equity work. Yeah. You mentioned staff shortages. Do you know how PPS is dealing with uh, these shortages and the possibility of a teacher strike? I heard there was talk. Yes. So there, you know, there was a huge concern during COVID about there being like a big mass 
exit of educators, mm-hmm. right? Like people were really concerned that a ton of them were going to retire or resign. And and for a number of reasons, right? Like we've got school safety, politics, like not to mention COVID health concerns, right? So there's a long list, but the districts were also given a chance. A lot of districts, specifically in Oregon, had the chance to give financial bonuses and other incentives to keep people on. And it seems like districts are pretty much leveling out. Um, With the start of the new school year, there are some large districts that are still in search of several very important jobs. Like, um, you know, some districts are down dozens of bus drivers, for example. Portland doesn't seem to have that specific issue right now. Um, They told me this week that their transportation department is fully staffed for the year. Also, starting this year, there's a principal in every school in Portland. That said, there are more than 100 vacant teaching positions across the district and more than 50 vacancies with paraeducators. District officials told the school board this past Tuesday, September 5th, that they're in the process of hiring for a lot of those, about 30% are in some phase of hiring or have candidates identified. So those will hopefully be filled soon. So there's some, you know, positives going into the school year too, but you're right. Portland Public is currently negotiating a three-year contract with the Portland Association of Teachers. And they met as recently as yesterday for state-mediated negotiations, and it seems like the next scheduled meeting is for September 15th. So we're really in like the <laughs> the middle of this. There's a lot of tensions around the negotiations. The district says that they're making progress, but Superintendent Guerrero's also said that if they can't reach an agreement over the coming weeks, it could result in a strike um, as early as the end of October, um, maybe November. And from the union's perspective, they're pointing out that, you know, staff are working right now without a contract and that a strike, while it is a tool, it's their absolute last resort. And so some of the issues that they've pointed to that they really want to get fixed, um, they've started the school year with a frozen salary schedule. They're arguing their workloads are way too high. Mm-hmm. Um, there's inadequate wraparound services for students in the district. Um, and they've also pointed out recent data showing that Portland has now become the second least affordable city in the country for a teacher to live in. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. teacher, <laughs> bus driver, anyone really. <laughs> Just yeah. person living in Portland, yeah. Yes, especially, you know, especially on educator salaries. Um, and it is a this is a topic in other areas too. Evergreen and Camus, just over in Southwest Washington, they're in the middle of of their strikes or they're just reaching the end uh, as Camus is. So there's a lot of tensions around this in a lot of places, but we're just kind of waiting to see in Portland if it's going to reach that point. Yeah. I just, I, it, it must be so frustrating for teachers too, to know that like there's 10.2 billion in funding and they're just like still trying to see how they're going to pay rent. I can't even imagine <laughs> just the yeah. the anger uh, I would be feeling if I were a teacher. Um, mm. But another big concern going into the school year is safety and, and not just the unfortunate reality of shootings on campus, but also stabbings and robberies. Like I remember last year in Hillsdale, uh, two teens were arrested in a robbery and stabbing of a 13-year-old outside an elementary school. Mm. And I heard that the big thing that's going to somehow – help with all this? Are lanyards? Can you explain this to me? <laughs> like how this is going to help? I Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not going to speak on behalf of the district, though I will say that like, from what I've been told, the lanyards that are being required this year, the main safety issue that it's trying to address there is just making sure they know that 
someone who's on campus is a student or a visitor. Gotcha. Like it's just it's just more of a crowd control thing. Do people like it? Is it going to stick? I don't know. But like that's from what I can tell when they say a safety concern, I don't think that they expect the lanyards to like stop all safety issues from happening with all the behavioral issues that we're seeing post COVID, like that also comes with like increased fights and bullying and online safety concerns and security. Right. So Mm -hmm. Portland did institute the new lanyard requirement uh, for middle and high schoolers that has their ID on it. Right. While they're on campus, Uh, they're also prohibiting social media use uh, this year on district issued devices like student laptops. So there's some of those smaller, um, well, I say smaller, those are definitely going to impact students day to day, right? Like those are very like specific, tangible examples of that. But is it addressing like the larger concerns around safety or like more systemic issues? No. Um, There are some districts who are like, okay, how are we setting behavior expectations? Are we tightening security or hiring additional security staff? Um, So there's been a lot of conversations around that. In terms of like camps or folks who are experiencing homelessness, there's been a lot of concerns with the start of the school year around like, do there need to be sweeps outside of schools? And that also then kind of ties in to the broader conversation around like access to fentanyl and like increased overdoses with that and trying to like prevent that. And so you've got some of the bigger picture conversations around like, what is the responsibility of schools to educate students on Mm -hmm fentanyl and trying to prevent that. And then also some of more of the like band-aid solutions where it's like, if you find these drugs, what do you do? And so districts are like kind of trying to figure this out in real time, but I'm oh my God. paying attention. I can't imagine being in an elementary school and just being just, you know, just having that discussion. And I could just imagine how awkward it's going to be in all, it's going to be an assembly. You're excited. You're going to the assembly room or, you know, where. The gym or whatever. The gym, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. And they're just like, fentanyl. (laughs) Just so messed up. I just hope there's rapping. I just hope there's white people rapping. That's all I hope for that. I think that's the only thing that's going to really solve all this is white people rapping about drugs. You know? Sure. So... (laughs) Uh, Well, let's take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, let's talk about some of the remodeling and other projects that are affecting some students. Natalie, I heard that there is a bunch of remodeling and other projects that seem to only be affecting populations in historically underserved communities like uh, Albina. Uh, Like what's going on with Grant and Jefferson High Schools? Have you heard anything new? Yeah, the Portland School Board this week uh, unanimously approved a resolution to take over the renovations um, for both the Grant Bowl and Buckman Track. So there's there's been some progress. There's been some movement there. The the big issue there for folks who are unfamiliar is that the 10-year-old soccer and football field was recently deemed too dangerous for organized mm. sports to use. So it's just as much about the student experience to be able to participate in those things as it is to participate in them safely. So that's what a lot of that conversation was about. Um, regarding Jefferson, that one is still very much not yet solved. The district has announced that it plans to bus Jefferson High School students 11 miles away to the former Marshall campus starting next year when construction is underway. And Jefferson is among the the last schools in Portland to be getting these really big capital construction bond renovations. 
And the district argues that Marshall's the best option based off of cost and available space and safety. Uh, Plus, other schools have been relocated to Marshall in the past, Franklin, Grant as examples. But Jefferson families are really, really, really concerned about this. 11 miles. That's yeah. (laughs) It's insane, especially with communities where a lot of these, a lot of families, and I'm I'm speaking as someone who came from an underserved community, and like mm-hmm. our parents don't have the time to drop us off at school. Like all of our parents right. are working, so I had to walk or I had to figure my eleven miles. How mm-hmm. are these kids going to figure out how to get to school? I'm a, I mean, are they providing the buses? Are they providing transportation? Yes, they are providing busing. There are still concerns about that, right? Like you have some students at Jefferson who are, you know, responsible for getting their siblings or their cousins to another school beforehand. So like, can they catch the bus? What other transportation is available to them? You know, you have students who are working jobs in addition to their Mm -hmm. schooling. So like, how do they work that out? There are students who do the mid-college program at Portland Community College Cascade, which is just across the street from Jefferson. I spoke with a student this week. She needs to go to Calc 3 and Linear Algebra at PCC. And meanwhile, she's on the cross-country team. So she would have to go to the PCC campus for her classes and still make it over during peak traffic time to get over to the cross country track. And like she, she acknowledged like her mom can drive her, like her family can drive her, but a lot of students that is not the case. Um, And it's still a major inconvenience. It is far away. It's going to add, you know, potentially an hour or more commute time to a lot of students. And that just might not be possible. And the thing that Jefferson families are really pointing out now is they were told that this was not going to happen. That their students would be able to stay on campus or near campus, nearer to campus during construction. And they just found out a couple of weeks ago that plans have changed and they were not included in the process on picking the other solutions. So they feel Mm -hmm. very much like they've been lied to, that they've been left out of the process. And as you mentioned, like this is a historically underserved community. You have folks who have felt for a very long time like the district has ignored them or left them out of things. Um. And this just feels like one more example of that to them. Yeah. I just can't believe there's not another way. I mean, I know that there was talks that maybe PCC could take some of the students, but yeah. And on all this, the remodeling, is it is it just the the sports facilities? I don't believe so. No, I my understanding is it's it's a lot of different parts of the school, gotcha. which is why the district is saying that it, it would become logistically prohibitive, too expensive, all of those things in order to just like move the students around while the phases of constructions progressed. Mm -hmm. But I mean, they looked at Kenton Elementary building, which is much closer to Jefferson, but that one doesn't have like science labs or athletic fields or things that you expect in a high school. Mm -hmm. Um, The Portland Community College Cascade campus isn't zoned right for high schoolers. It gets really dicey in there because like the district told the Jefferson community, it's not zoned for this and it would take years to change that. But then the city planning actually never was contacted by the district to look into that. And they are saying that it would actually only take a couple weeks if both parties wanted to do that. But then you ask the community college and they have a whole other host of reasons why they're at capacity and it would disrupt their students and their safety concerns. So from what I can see, it doesn't seem like there's one clear cut. Yes, this is the right answer. And Jefferson's really unique because it's a dual choice school. And so students already who go there have the option to more easily transfer to another residential school uh, compared to other parts of the district. So 
theoretically, all the students could just choose their other option. But then what does that do to the very, very close knit Jefferson community? Like a lot Mm -hmm. of people worried, like it's not going to survive that. Oh, man. Yeah, that sounds like a like a crap show. I'll just I'll be honest. It's <laughs> just it sounds awful. Uh, yeah. Do you know when everything will be finalized? Uh, <laughs> well, um, this the construction is not going to start till 2024. Uh, that's, okay. So there's like in that sense, there's a cushion of time. The district is saying this is the final plan. Mm. But if parents and students have anything to say about it, it will not be. Um, they're waiting to find out. They were told that there'd be more community meetings. They haven't been scheduled yet. So depending on what further conversations happen, there's been talks of maybe students organizing a petition and like parents maybe trying to find other options as well. So on paper, it's final. The decision is to relocate the students to Marshall. But in in actual practice, I don't know that that's the case. Right. Well. Is there anything else, Natalie, that you're going to keep an eye on maybe uh, as the school year unfolds? Yes. So we'll be keeping an eye, as we mentioned, with the strike um, and other issues that the teachers are really bringing up. Uh, Someone brought up again in a school board meeting recently some concerns about uh, sexual harassment allegations in the district and how Portland is responding to that. So there's there's those topics. We're going to be looking at how schools implement the new statewide literacy initiative, a look at how school meals are being offered now that federal assistance in that has ended. So there's going to be a number of things that we're going to see how it pans out. Cool. Well, um, I hope that you are able to come back and fill us in on some of that. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Before we wrap up, I wanted to play a message from a listener who happened to be at that Portland public school meeting where they informed parents that they were indeed going back on their word and relocating Jefferson students well outside of their communities. I think it's worth a listen. The meeting um, was essentially a panel of eight to ten, all but one, white people sitting and informing the community through a slideshow that was wildly offensive and insulting to our intelligence. Um, Instead of telling us what the status of the uh, remodel was, they showed us a drawing of how you draw fate. They said, first, you start with a circle. Then you sketch in where you think the eyes and nose would be. This is how they explained the process to the community of parents. Then they went on to show us a uh, slide of an iceberg, and they said, this is, you know, remodeling a school is a very complicated process. What we can explain to you is just the tip of the iceberg, but all of the things that we can't show you and tell you tonight, this is all the work that we've done. It It was so insulting. Not to mention that before they even started the program, they gave a, like, two minute speech with a land acknowledgement and a um, discussion of how, you know, there's a history of oppressing minority groups. That was so tone deaf and insulting to the community that they were speaking to. It was totally performative. And then they went on to essentially oppress this underrepresented minority community by saying that their one request to keep the kids on campus is denied and they informed them that the decision is final and there's no going back. So there was, after a year and a half of planning, they gave multiple options and they always promised the kids would be on campus. That's the one thing the parents and the community cares about. 
And that is without any discussion, without any opportunity to try to find solutions, they informed this community, um, tough shit, you're not getting what you want, and there's no opportunity to change this or to renegotiate or to reassess. It's wildly offensive, and nobody is talking about it. Nobody seems to know about this. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. We also enjoy hearing from you. If you have any comments or would like CityCast Portland to cover a specific topic, shoot us an email at portland at citycast.fm or leave us a voicemail at 503-208-5448. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>